Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for coming back for another episode. I'm your host, Brad Betke. We got some good stuff for you this week, going over a outlook and a little advancement on fantasy football and where your head should be at. Also going over the MLB All-Star Weekend and, of course, this week's Fast Break. You know it's coming. Sit back, relax, stay tuned for episode 34 of the Box Score Sports Podcast. Took my baby to the highest highs. Took my shawty, it's gonna be a lonely All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. Thank you for returning and coming to join me for another episode, this being the 34th of the Box Score Sports Podcast. We're going to start it off this week by doing a bit of a fantasy football outlook, looking out into the future to help you prepare for what you might need to know for the upcoming fantasy football drafts that you might have with your friends, your coworkers, and I'm going to do my best to try and win you some money if you like DraftKings or FanDuel. So jumping right into it, I'm going to just point this out before we start that uh, everything that I'm doing is based on a PPR, points per reception league. Those that don't know, points per reception means essentially the difference between PPR and other leagues is that receivers and running backs get points for every catch as well as the yardage, whereas without PPR, it's that's not the case. So I prefer to play in PPR because... I don't know what it really is, but something inside me wants to give these players credit. Especially now, they make a lot of immaculate catches. I'm essentially trying my best to give them like, hey, good shit. A little pat on the back for a great catch. Thanks for the fantasy points. I don't really know. It doesn't really make sense, but that's just the way I think and the way I like to play. So that's the way I'm going to play. And it's that simple. Without further ado... Now, I'm going to give you guys two different draft scenarios. Now, the first draft I'm going to go through, I'm going to do only eight rounds, so only eight picks of each, essentially to give you your entire starting lineup except your kicker because, well, you can never really tell who a good kicker is going to be. Out of nowhere, the good kicker is going to be some kid on some team you've never heard of until he starts succeeding like last year's Josh McPherson. So, or Evan McPherson on the Bengals. I'm sorry, his name's Evan, not Josh. But anyway, this is my first draft, and it, the way I look at it is if I had a later round pick, so somewhere between like 6 and 10, if I'm doing like, let's say I'm doing a 10-person draft, this is somewhere between the 6th and 10th pick in each round. Some people tend to do snake round, snake drafts, um, but either way, this is the draft I would pull if I had a late round pick to start. With the first round, first pick, I would take Justin Jefferson, wide receiver, Minnesota. Second pick, Josh Allen, quarterback out of Buffalo. Round three, I'm taking George Kittle, tight end in San Francisco. Round four, I'm taking A.J. Brown, wide receiver, Philly. Round five, I'm taking DeAndre Swift, running back, Detroit. Sixth round, I'm taking Jerry Judy, wide receiver in Denver. In the seventh round, I am taking Travis Etienne, running back for the Jaguars. And in the eighth round, I'm taking the Rams defense. So that essentially gives you your th two wide receivers, two running backs, and then a flex being the other receiver. Um, I'm going to go over each player's last year stats and then give you a little backstory as to why I picked them where I did. 
First overall, Justin Jefferson. He has been one of the most consistent players since he entered the league two years ago, won Rookie of the Year, at the time broke the record for single-season yards, which his ex-LSU teammate Jamar Chase then broke the next season. But he's been incredibly reliable and consistent both seasons in the NFL, despite having a somewhat average quarterback. Kirk Cousins is not that guy. Um, but yet, despite all that, Justin Jefferson still succeeds consistently. So I know that I can rely on a guy like him, especially with my first overall pick. And I learned a little something that it's a really good idea to draft two receivers early in the draft because you're more likely to get something out of them than you are to rely on one guy really early on being your a running back like a Derrick Henry or a Christian McCaffrey. If you're a guy like me, I had like six fantasy football leagues last year, last year and one of them I took Derrick Henry in the first round, another one I took Christian McCaffrey in the first round, and they both hurt me in the long run, but still. So I've learned that going receiver first actually has more benefit because there are like more likely to find replacements for receivers if they get hurt than you are for running backs. The waiver wires go crazy for receivers. So last season, Justin Jefferson finished as the number four receiver in fantasy points with 222.4 points on 17 games played. So he played the whole season, uh, finished fourth out of wide receivers with 222.4. Josh Allen, I don't really need to explain myself. He finished the number one quarterback in the league last year. He's been really consistent as well. We all know what Josh Allen is capable of. Usually people don't start drafting quarterbacks until the second, third, maybe even fourth round. So I'm praying that in this case, everybody goes skill position in the first round, which if you really break down what the top 10 picks could be, I think it's very reasonable that Josh Allen or some a quarterback of that caliber falls to the second or third round. Because you think about who's going to go in the first round. Christian McCaffrey, Derrick Henry, Devontae Adams, Cooper Cup, Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, Probably Dalvin Cook and Alvin Kamara. That's already eight players, and that's just off the dome. Travis Kelsey, that's nine. You know what I mean? So to think about the wide variety of players that could go in the first round, eight or ten team draft, potentially even 12, a quarterback is not going the first round unless somebody's that desperate and that, what's the word I'm looking for? adolescent when it comes to fantasy sports and especially football so that's why I think I'm taking Josh Allen in the second round because he is easily the best available quarterback but I do think that I'm safe taking him round two potentially even three so there is a possibility that I would switch Kittle and Allen depending on how the round is going like I mentioned this is a late round pick so if I'm in the second round and I see the first six guys not make a pick on a quarterback, I'm not picking Josh Allen with the 7th or 8th pick. I'm taking Kittle, and if Josh Allen falls early, then I can pick the next best guy. But anyway, Josh Allen's statistics last year, he finished first among QBs with a total score of 417.58 points on 17 games played. So again, another player played the full season, and he actually was the only quarterback to finish with over 400 points in the league. So pretty unanimous decision that Josh Allen is the best guy to take here. He also finished top five the previous season as well. So like I mentioned, he's very consistent when it comes to fantasy. With the third pick in my draft, I'm taking George Kittle, like I just mentioned a minute ago, only if there are QBs going in early. He finished fourth among tight ends in the league. 
and finished with 127 fantasy points on only 14 games played. So the fact that he finished fourth, right, under only the likes of, of course, you can predict, Travis Kelsey, Mark Andrews, and I think it was a surprise to most people, Dalton Schultz, Dallas's uh, tight end. He had a very good season. But you think about what George Kittle would do if he had three more games. He only finished two point. I'm sorry, 3.8 fantasy points under Dalton Schultz. That's a 30. That's a 28-yard reception. He gets one catch for 28 yards in a PPR league. He ties Dalton Schultz. One catch for 28 yards. So you think you give me three more full games of George Kittle, he's finishing top two. Potentially. Travis Kelsey had 170. So Kittle, he could get there easily, but he would have to have a couple pretty decent games. I think like 60 to 70 yards minimum and a touchdown in order to take the second place spot. And then Mark Andrews finished with 194. He's not. I don't think he's catching him there. But, yeah, we all know who George Kittle is. We know how consistent he is. It's not difficult to, to make that decision and make that pick there. Um, so, like I said, if, a Q, if Allen is gone, I'm taking another QB, and then I'm taking Kittle third. But if no QBs are gone, I'm taking Kittle second, Allen third. With the fourth pick in my draft, I'm taking A.J. Brown. Now, some people might be a little iffy on this one because he hasn't been known to be one of the top receivers in fantasy. For example, last year, he finished all the way down at 32nd. Van Jefferson on the Rams finished higher than he did. But, like I said, finished 32nd wide receivers. Finished with 117.9 fantasy points and only played 13 games. So this guy missed four games. We're plenty aware of what players, especially wide, the wide receiver one, can do in four games for fantasy. There's a handful of fantastic examples that show us that, especially over the years. And I think A.J. Brown has potential to finish top 15 in fantasy points easy. So I'm taking him especially because he's now in a new environment where he personally has a better quarterback, a better offensive line. That could be argued. Titans did have a pretty good O-line. But a, a, a team where he's unanimously wide receiver one. Now, last year there was a little bit of back and forth when Julio Jones first signed to the Titans as to whether or not he'd be wide receiver one. And then, like I mentioned, A.J. Brown also only played 13 out of 17 games, so he was missing out a lot on those stats there. But I think a team like Philly fits him well. I think he'll succeed there and have a little more pressure taken off of him because, as I mentioned, Julio Jones, he didn't really work out too well for the Titans. So you go to Philly where they had a player like Devontae Smith who was successful out of college and even in the league. He was still one of the best rookie receivers that season. So there's going to be some pressure off his back, not to mention they acquired Zach Pascal from the Indianapolis Colts, who last season was wide receiver two for them. So Jalen Hurts is, is a growing success in this league. He's gotten better every year he's been here, and I love him. I fuck, I'm sorry. I love watching Jalen Hurts. I really do. He's very entertaining. He's a great player. He's smart. And like I said, he's just entertaining. He's fun to watch, and he's very easy to support. So I'm taking A.J. Brown, fourth pick in my draft. With the fifth pick in my draft, I'm taking DeAndre Swift, Detroit Lions running back. He finished 23rd among running backs last season. 
He had 146.9 fantasy points and again on 13 points, 13 games played. So he actually averaged more points per game than the next seven guys above him on this list and a few more even higher. So again, you give him a full season, he's going crazy. I love DeAndre Swift. I have a lot of support for him, especially since he's my hometown team's running back, and he's been pretty decent over the last two years. So I have a lot of high hopes for him. He made a big jump last year, and I think he makes another one this year. With the sixth pick in my draft, I'm taking Jerry Judy, wide receiver, Denver. Now, Jerry Judy had a rough year last year because of injury, and his quarterback wasn't very good either. We're not about to sit here and act like Drew Locke deserves a starting position in this league. I personally can't say that I agree. I don't think he does. So looking at Judy last season, he finished as the 95th ranked receiver with 47 fantasy points, but he only played 10 games. Now, 10 games is a decent amount, meaning he averaged less than five points a game. But again, look at his quarterback. Look at the other receivers on Denver and the other players. I guarantee you they didn't succeed either. Now they have one of the best quarterbacks in the league, Russell Wilson. My boy Judy is very talented. He's going to get the ball. He's going to get field time. And as long as he stays healthy, he finishes top 25 in the league in fantasy points for receivers. So I think Judy is a sleeper pick to take late in in the draft because people, I think, forgot about him. I think they forget about Denver. Even players like Tim Patrick and K.J. Hamler, I think, are going to succeed as well. So keep an eye on Denver players. With my seventh pick, I'm taking Travis Etienne, running back, Jacksonville Jaguars. Now, we don't have any previous statistics on Etienne's NFL career because he was unfortunately season-ending injury before the season even started, in a preseason game, actually. It was really unfortunate because I was rooting for him. I liked him at Clemson. I was a big fan of the way he played, and I was excited for him to come to the league and especially to go to a team with his ex-teammate that he played at Clemson with, Trevor Lawrence. So... I personally have some high hopes for the kid. I really do think he's going to succeed in this league. I think he's going to play a lot like Alvin Kamara and be an option and just as much of a threat out of the backfield as he is in it. And so I'm taking him with the seventh pick as my second running back if available. Um, Like I said, nobody's going to remember him because he was injured unless he shows up as a recommended pick. So I'm definitely looking forward to potentially having him on my team. And then lastly, eighth, eighth pick, final pick for me, uh, the Rams defense, LA Rams defense. They finished surprisingly 12th among defenses in the NFL, 12th with 121 fantasy points. Now, they did lose Bobby Wagner, but they went out and got I'm sorry, they did lose Von Miller, but they went out and got Bobby Wagner. I think that's a big deal. I think Bobby Wagner is a very very good linebacker. We all know him to be one of the best in the league. So, adding him to a team that's already got well, not arguably, the single best defensive lineman in the league and arguably the best defensive back in the league. Now they're adding one of the best linebackers in the league. They have, like, the most elite defensive captains in the league on any team. So I think that's that's one big thing that that got me to go for the Rams here if they're still there, absolutely. So that's essentially my ideal draft. If I had a pick somewhere between the 6th and 10th pick and... 
I was doing a draft that was one to ten, one to ten, not one to ten, ten to one, one to ten, ten to one. I wasn't. I don't want to do a snake draft. Uh, this is how it would go for me. This is how I'd like it to go. Now, as I mentioned earlier in the episode, I have an alternate team. I did another draft, and this draft I did slightly differently, and it's determined based on if I get an early pick, so somewhere between the first and fifth pick in the draft. To start it off, first pick overall, I'm taking Debo Samuel. I love the kid. I think he was really successful last year. We know that. And I actually, he was injured the season before in 2020, but I already knew he was going to be good then. I genuinely mean that. I had already been thinking like, Debo Samuel, he was crazy. Like, I can't wait for him to get in the league. He comes to the league. He gets back from an injury, goes crazy. And I'm sitting back like, damn, it feels good. I knew it. So I'm taking Debo Samuel with the first pick. He finished second among wide receivers last year, short of only Cooper Cup, with 262 points on 16 games played. You give me another game, he's up. He's pretty close to Cup. Cup finished about 30 points higher than he did, so... But as I mentioned, I'm I'm taking I'm taking Debo with the first pick. I think it's I think it's set in stone. The man can play two different positions as good as anybody in the league, so I'm taking him for sure. With the next pick, I'm going wide receiver again. I'm going Stefan Diggs, wide receiver Buffalo. Now, as I mentioned earlier in this draft, or earlier in the episode, I'm sorry, I learned a new tactic to go wide receiver, wide receiver early because it's very easy to require a, a, a good receiver off the waiver wires. There are a lot of players that nobody is going to think that's going to do well, and then all of a sudden they're going to come out of the gates being a top 10 receiver in the league. I mean, you think about Jalen Waddle. I don't think many people had him on his on their team last year, and he ended up going crazy. Amon Ross St. Brown, like, he finished really well. As well. Like, a lot of I'm telling you, there's going to be a sleeper receiver from time to time, and it's much easier to replace a receiver than it is a running back, considering teams have three receivers and only really one running back that touches the field unless you're a dual backfield like Miami's going to be, like New Orleans used to be with Mark Ingram, so on and so forth. Diggs finished as the eighth highest receiver in fantasy points with 182.5 on 17 games played, played the full season, but it was a big season for Gabriel Davis, so I think that that took a little bit away from Stephon Diggs, and it also was a pretty good year for Dawson Knox, the tight end. With the third pick in the draft, I'm taking Nigel Harris running back Pittsburgh. Now, a lot of you probably don't think he's going to fall this far because he finished last season the number four ranked running back in fantasy points with 226.7 on all 17 games played. But may I remind you, the only reason that he finished fourth is because Nick Chubb, Alvin Kamara, Derrick Henry, Dalvin Cook all finished below him. So you give me who who's already in the top three, Jonathan Taylor, Austin Eckler, Joe Mixon, and then you add Nick Chubb, Derrick Henry, Dalvin Cook, Alvin Kamara, who are all going to get drafted ahead of Najee Harris. Najee Harris falls all the way to the eighth position, eighth running back in the league. Nobody, everybody's going to want Jonathan Taylor, Joe Mixon, Derrick Henry, Alvin Kamara, all these players before they want Najee because they're names that have been consistently good. Najee was good last year, but everybody knows Derrick Henry. 
I mean, he finished 14th on only eight games played. That's insane. He averaged 21.9 fantasy points a game. I mean, he did, but he finished, but he averaged better than many quarterbacks, and they definitely have better opportunities for fantasy points. So I do think Najee Harris falls to the third round, and I, I, I genuinely do believe that that's possible because, like I mentioned, a lot of people go wide receivers. You're going to get Debo Samuel, Devontae Adams, Cooper Cup, Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, Tyreek Hill, all going to go in the first round. So there's only going to be room for like two more running backs, and that's going to be Derrick Henry and probably Christian McCaffrey or Alvin Kamara or somebody. Nobody's going to think to take Najee Harris until he's at the top of the board, and I genuinely think he falls to round three. That's why I have him there. Moving on to my fourth pick. I waited a little bit longer in this draft to take a quarterback, and I'm taking the guy I was talking well about shortly, or not too long ago, Jalen Hurts. I think he has a very good opportunity to succeed this year. He's got a better receiving core. He's got better O-line. He's got more options. And he's got more experience. As I mentioned earlier, he's getting better every single season. So I think that that trend continues. If he falls to the fourth round, you bet your ass he's mine. He finished ninth among quarterbacks in the NFL with a score of 321.16 fantasy points on 15 games played. Missed two games, right? So you think about who he finished under. Joe Burrow only had seven more fantasy points than he did, so he's passing Joe Burrow. Dak Prescott only had nine more fantasy points than he did, so he's finishing above Prescott. Aaron Rodgers only had, let's see, nine... Six, 16, seven, 15 points above him. So Jalen Hurts is passing Aaron Rodgers. So Jalen Hurts is potentially finishing top five among quarterbacks if he finishes those other two games based on where he was before that. So I'm taking Jalen Hurts in the fourth round. I genuinely have a lot of hope invested in this kid, and I think he's going to do well. With the fifth pick, this one might catch you all a little off guard. I'm taking running back out of Chicago, David Montgomery. Now, he is a very interesting player. He finished all the way at 20th among running backs, three points behind the dude in front of him, but he missed three games on the year. He had 154 points even on the season, 14 games played. You're going to tell me that if you give him three more games, he can't jump four or five more spots on the list and finish top 15? Absolutely. Absolutely. So I like David Montgomery in the fifth round. I really do. I, I've liked him since he got to Chicago. I think he's been pretty consistent, fairly successful. Him and DeAndre Swift are, are kind of similar in, kinda, in terms of what they offer to the team. Pretty, pretty versatile, pretty agile, but also know when to break a tackler too. With the sixth pick in the draft, I'm taking Lions receiver Amon Ross St. Brown. I think this kid is going to have an even better season than he did last year. Not by much, but I think he will. He finished 23rd among receivers, 137.3 fantasy points on 16 games played. I'm a big fan of him, honestly. And I know that they added DJ Chark to the mix and Jamison Williams out of Bama, but that does not mean that Amon Ross St. Brown won't guarantee himself the wide receiver one or wide receiver two position. I genuinely don't know for sure that DJ Chark is going to finish as wide receiver one. I think he has potential to, but I don't think he will. I do think Amon Ross St. Brown is probably going to take that. So 
I have a lot of high hope for the kid. Like I said, he had a full game that he missed, and if he, he did play that game, he probably would have jumped six or seven, eight spots on the list up into the top 15. So a lot of high hope for the kid and a lot of high hope for Detroit in general. With the seventh pick in this draft, I'm going tight end, and I'm taking the second-year player, Pat Fryermuth out of Pittsburgh. Now, he has a better QB in terms of... I don't really know how to properly say it, but Big Ben was pretty washed. It was a rough year, you know. It just it wasn't great. And Fryermuth showed that he has a lot of potential to be a top 10 tight end in this league without question. He finished 12th among tight ends with 91.7 fantasy points on 16 games played. One more game, he's probably jumping into the top 9, maybe top 8 potentially. So I like Pat Fryermuth. I think he's a quiet, he's a sleeper pick for a tight end to succeed. There aren't a lot of guys that I think will finish too far ahead of him. And this late in the draft, I think he's a very safe and comfortable pick to go with. And then lastly, with the eighth pick in this draft, I'm taking the Indianapolis Colts defense. They finished seventh among defenses in the NFL this last year with 138 fantasy points, and I do think that they did get significantly better. They went out and got Stephon Gilmore from Carolina and a couple other role players, as well as keeping players like DeForest Buckner, Darius Leonard, so on, Kenny Moore, and so on and so forth. So I think there's a lot to look up for the Colts. I think they finished top five defense in the league this year, for sure. So that about wraps it up for my fantasy outlook, man. I really do believe that there's a lot of young and, and, and good good players to draft in these drafts. I do think that there's a lot of room for success. And although I didn't mention any rookies or anything, I do I do think that you're going to get a lot of guys like Jamison Williams and George Pickens on Pittsburgh and uh, some other running backs and stuff that are really going to succeed on these teams. And they're very, very safe bench picks. And you want to definitely keep them to swap out with your currents. And hopefully you get lucky early on in the season, catch a real nice waiver wire snipe. There's always, always, always going to be a waiver wire snipe. Moving on to another big story this weekend. You had the MLB All-Star Game and Home Run Derby. Juan Soto edged out by one hit the Seattle Mariners rookie Julio Rodriguez by only one home run in the final round. Juan Soto is the second youngest player to ever win a home run derby. That's really impressive, honestly. Second youngest player. And the fact that you look at all the names that make these home run derbies and to think that a a rookie like Julio Rodriguez knocked reigning champion Pete Alonso out of the tournament is kind of crazy and real quick I do want to talk about this kid Julio Rodriguez man he's going to be something special he's having a fantastic season him and uh, O'Neal Cruz on Pittsburgh are both having really good years they're both really good rookies and I think that there's a lot to look up for these guys I mean to think that Julio Rodriguez he's already not only making the all-star game but borderline almost won the home run derby as a rookie so that's that's very impressive very bright future ahead of this young man Going on to the actual game now. The American League finished above National League 3-2 to with a 
home run by Giancarlo Stanton, who finished as the MVP of the All-Star game for hitting what would become the game-winning home run. Now, a little fact about that home run, it was the hardest hit in an All-Star game ever. And it was the second hardest hit of all time since the tracking technology released in 2015 record held by Vladimir Guerrero, but he is now very closely behind. It was 111.7 miles an hour off the bat and finished 457 feet to left center field. That's incredible. If you really think about how long and how far 457 feet is, that's pretty insane. And there was actually a photograph that was released, I believe, on Twitter or Instagram that it was a freeze frame of the moment that Giancarlo Stanton made contact with the ball. Everybody know how knows how hard a baseball is. In the picture, the ball was borderline wrapped around the bat. He literally deformed the ball because he hit it so hard. The power in that swing is insane. I miss having him in Miami. I was a big fan of him, and now he's in New York living it up. A notable legend. This was Albert Pujols' 11th and final All-Star game of his 22-year career. So quite literally half of his career, he made the All-Star game. He was in the Home Run Derby, made it to the second round, and I do believe was knocked out by Juan Soto. And then Miguel Cabrera made his 12th All-Star game, and who knows how, long, how much longer he'll be in the league for. Another really cool statistic from the All-Star game, St. Louis Cardinals pitcher Helsley threw 103 miles per hour fastball twice in the same inning. That's insane. To throw a ball 103 miles an hour and do it not once but twice and not in the same game, but in the same inning. So essentially in the same 20-minute period of time is unbelievable. He joins Aroldis Chapman as the only pitchers to ever reach 103 since the pitch-tracking pitch era in an All-Star game. Some serious records and milestones being set in this year's All-Star game. And not to mention, I really was a pretty big fan of the uniforms this year. They were kind of somewhat simplistic, but not really. Essentially, they were, all the team, all the players still had the way that their jersey would look. You know, the team logos or the the city name or the team mascot name or whatever. But the uniforms were like a dark gray and then white and the logos were gold. I, I thought they were pretty cool. Like I mentioned, they were somewhat basic, but I do think it was cool to once again have the separate uniforms for the all-star game rather than just wearing their uniforms but i do think they turned out pretty nice but that's about it for the all-star game all right ladies and gentlemen you know what time it is this week's fast break here we go washington nationals left fielder juan soto declined a 15 year 440 million dollar contract extension with the team would have been the largest contract ever in MLB history. Speaking of the big bucks, 
Cardinals quarterback Kyler Murray signed a massive extension for five years, $230.5 million, with $160 million guaranteed. I think it's safe to say that the Cardinals have found their franchise quarterback. Another contract extension, James Harden extended his contract with the Philadelphia 76ers for a two-year, $68.6 million contract in the second year player option. The NFL has officially adjusted their 2012 uniform policy allowing clubs to wear alternate helmets. Teams like the Cincinnati Bengals, the Houston Texans, the Atlanta Falcons, New Orleans Saints, New England Patriots, Carolina Panthers, and Dallas Cowboys took advantage of the situation and put out some dirty alternate helmets. I recommend checking them out and a couple alternate uniforms as well. And lastly, Cameron Smith knocks Rory McIlroy out of the top spot on the final day on Sunday of the St. Andrews Open to win the tournament. He had an insane seven birdie final round with five in a row on the back nine and six of the seven on the back nine. And there you have it, folks. That about wraps it up for the fast break and this week's episode. I'm so glad you tuned in this week. I did just recently adjust all of the links in my social media profiles for the podcast from the link to the podcast to an actual link tree. So you can now access our Twitter, our Instagram, our TikTok soon coming a Facebook profile as well. And then not to mention at the very top, you can access the same link I used to have in all of my bios, the link that goes directly to Anchor to show you all of my podcast episodes, an easy way to listen if you don't have access to it otherwise. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to episode 34 of the Box Score Sports Podcast. You know what to do. Spread the love. Share it to all your family, your friends, your loved ones. I'd love to let them hear my voice and hear what I have to say and my fantastic sports takes. Of course, it's why you're here, isn't it? I will see you guys next week for episode 35 of the Box Score Sports Podcast. Peace out. Uh, uh, took my baby to the high.